Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. I'm guest bailiff, Monty Bailiff Belmonte, morning host at WRSI in Northampton, Massachusetts, in for Jesse Thorne. The case, the gavel bangers ball. Complainant Caroline and her boyfriend Will share many interests, but there's one that's been a sticking point. Will says that metal is an important genre to him, musically and personally, and that Caroline hasn't given it a fair shake. Caroline finds the music jarring and distasteful and says she's heard enough to say so. Who's right and who's wrong? Only one man can decide. Please rise as the Honorable Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom. Tonight, 16,000 screaming Detroit kids have come in off the streets for a glimpse of Judge John Hodgman, self-proclaimed King of Devil Rock, whose distinctive heavy metal roar has made him the bane of music critics and the idol of millions the world over. The song is called... Send in the demons, and its clarion power chords signal the bizarre beginning of the rock and roll conspiracy. Nothing is true. Everything is permitted. 666 is the number to get with it. Bailiff Jesse is on a holiday. Bailiff Monty's gonna make them say the words. Dun, 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 dun. Swear men. Will and Caroline, please rise and raise your right hands. Prepare to swear on this satanic Bible and repeat after me. Day of judgment, God is calling. Day of judgment, God is calling. On their knees, the war pigs crawling. On their knees, the war pigs Scrawling. Begging mercy for their sins. Begging, Begging mercy, mercy for their sins. sins. Satan laughing spreads his wings. Satan laughing spreads his wings. Oh, Lord, yeah. Oh, Lord, yeah. Do you swear by the Church of Satan, who has approved Judge John Hodgman's ruling? Yeah. I, I guess, yeah. <laughs> Judge John Hodgman, you may proceed. Okay, you may come down off of that horrible altar now and uh, take your places in court. This is uh, Judge John Hodgman presiding. Uh, complainant is Caroline, defendant is Will. For an immediate summary judgment, can either you, Will, or Caroline name the very specific piece of popular culture I was paraphrasing during my uh, entirely improvised uh, heavy metal scat singing debut? Caroline, can you? I, I can't, unfortunately. You cannot. Uh, Will? No, sorry. Uh, I'm going to throw it to our uh, as yet unnamed mystery hooded expert witness. Can you name? Uh, was, it, was it Kiss Alive? It, it was not Kiss Alive. That was a good choice. You were you were in the certainly in the in the era ballpark that of course was uh, I was reading and then uh, singing the splash page from Marvel Comics Defenders issue number ninety six from nineteen eighty one. The rock and roll conspiracy in which the defenders, with the aid of uh, uh, Ghost Rider, take on Asmodeus Jones, uh, a satanic uh, uh, rock singer. Uh, so there you go. Go check that out at your local comic book store. That was about basically as close to heavy metal as I ever got in my life. The heaviest music that I listened to growing up was probably the Alan Parsons Project. And, uh, and I had a copy of Kiss Destroyer. And I uh, on cassette, and I was almost well. I was too scared to play it. Basically, these guys scared me. So I have brought in uh, for our edification a very special. You may mm-hmm. notice the the the, the robed 
and uh, hooded uh, figure in the corner uh, burning a giant candle. Uh, our expert witness for today, uh, musician, mountain goat, Mr. John Darneal. Welcome to the courtroom, John. Hail Satan. Thank you very much. And John <laughs> Darneal, John Darneal is, uh, as you may know, is a, is a, a world-famous uh, singer-songwriter, uh, and he is also a, uh, may, I, may I say, an, an aficionado? Uh, of, you know, it was good. I, I, uh, I always, I always beg off claims of expert, but, but I listen to a lot of heavy metal. You listen to a lot of heavy metal. And so he's going to help me understand the crazy, uh, the crazy language that you're going to be talking at me, Will, as you, uh, present, uh, your defense. Caroline, you are the yeah. complainant. I, I am. The problem is that Will is your boyfriend. And uh, also, and also <laughs> wants you to listen to heavy metal music all the time. Is that correct? That, that is mostly correct, yeah. Right. Tell me where I'm wrong. Um, the, well, there's no problem with him being my boyfriend, but he does want me to listen. I will be the judge of that. <laughs> how long, how long, have, how long have you guys been married? How long have you guys been together? Uh, I think a little over two years. And are you married, people? Uh, we're not. And do you cohabitate? No. We actually don't. Oh, all right. Very good. So you are not living in sin. <laughs> you, are, you are just damned to hell for other reasons because of special hugging and kissing. But moving on. <laughs> how, uh, how, uh, so you've been going out for two years and he's constantly trying to get you to listen to this, uh, this heavy metal music. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that is right. And is great. what's the problem? Well, um, by now I think I've heard enough of I guess what would specifically be referred to as, I think, uh, black metal, where I can make uh, an informed decision about whether or not I'd like to hear more of it. He, he usually thinks when I protest that either I, I don't understand the music well enough or I haven't heard it enough. And Will, what's your, what's your position on this? How do you defend yourself? Even, even what she just said is uh, misleading. Um, <laughs> Lies from the Whore of Babylon. <laughs> yeah. Well, she, she, I try to play her things that I think she would or could like. So she hasn't actually heard that much black metal by now. Um, and then there's, it's not just black metal, it's all kinds of metal. And um, you're so talking about, so in, really, you're, you're, speak, you're talking about heavy metal by bands that are predominantly African American. Is that what that means? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, because that doesn't exist, right? <laughs> Sorry, my mistake. <laughs> You're talking about you're talking about black metal in the sense of dark and dreadful, scary metal, right? Or how would you describe yeah. it? How would you define it? I don't know. It's, it's a pretty uh, specific subgenre, but there's all there's right. tons of uh, subgenres of metal, and so yeah, Caroline. Well, let's if the issue here is right. black metal, I'd like you to def define for me the music that you wish your girlfriend liked and doesn't. I, I would say the issue here isn't isn't black metal because she hasn't. Okay, heard but do you know what I'm making black. at the issue? What is black metal? What is the specific uh, subgenre we're talking like about? A, a, an extreme subgenre of metal mm -hmm. that it's got a lot of uh, low production values and uh, satanic imagery and often a sloppy sort of performances. Kind of have a garage kind of quality to them. Mm -hmm. It's often very uh, atmospheric though, as well. What do you mean? It's like you, like you, it could, can be very, you could listen very, to it in the uh, background repetitive. of a movie scene. Yeah, yeah, I guess, uh -huh. or just um, meant to evoke 
a hypnotic kind of a state. It's often very repetitive and with the low production values, it's kind of dreamy sounding or it can be. Uh, aficionado witness John Darniel, are you familiar with this genre? Yeah. And, uh, with the genre and the subgenre. In black metal, he's right that there's this atmospheric tendency in black metal. Sometimes it's from low production, but those guys are also often really into ambient music. So there will be an ambient section on a black metal record, which if you're not familiar with the genre, it can be really funny that it goes from this really aggressive, extraordinarily fast music to what sounds like, uh, you know, uh, a transitional scene in Lord of the Rings. You uh-huh, know? Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, and so, so that's common. But the examples that I was sent... Uh, as, as stuff that he listens to is across a spectrum of heavy metal. It's a little bit of death and a little bit of uh, speed metal, which is an undersung genre, and then a, and a Burzum track, which is straight black metal. And this is this is the evidence that, that Will has provided to us of the kind of music that you would like Caroline to listen to or that you have already tried to get Caroline into and she has refused? The four tracks I sent you guys were things that she has reacted unfavorably to that I thought that she probably could like, that I thought had some kind of... Uh, um, clearly uh, a redeeming artistic merit that didn't just have to do with uh, the metalness of it. Something that, something okay. beyond. So it's uh, not all black, it's not all black metal. No. Because that sounds if like I it's, can, please. I'm not a counselor. I'm just an expert witness, a lowly expert witness. But I would say sending merciful fate to anybody uh, and saying, here, you might like this is usually a bad move. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's take a listen. Let's take a listen, shall we? All right, this is A Dangerous Meeting by Merciful Fate. That was Merciful Fate, a dangerous meeting from the 1984 <laughs> album, Don't Break the Oath. You could be a DJ. <laughs> Thank you very much, Monty. Monty, of course, is uh, the morning DJ and voice of WRSI, the river uh, up here in uh, Northampton, Massachusetts, where uh, the court is in exile uh, for the uh, current uh, period of end of summertime. Uh, so, all right. So uh, that is a song from 1984. It, it makes me feel like I am watching the end credits to Street Fighter. What is the benefit of this music? Well, that band and uh, that song and album have really excellent guitar solos. And mm-hmm. uh, really the, the seminal point in Merciful Fate, and I, often the, the bone of contention people find in their music is the, uh, the singer who has a very high-pitched wailing voice. But anyways, yeah, they have a great uh, neoclassical element to them in addition to their uh, speed and the dark uh, imagery and subject matter of the songs. And Caroline professes to enjoy classical music. And so I offered that. Are you, that are you calling her a liar? Are you calling her a liar? She professes <laughs> no, no, to like classical music. Of, and yet she an doesn't animation. like Merciful Fates, a dangerous meeting. How is that possible? I put it to you, Caroline. I put it to you. What is your, what kind of music do you like? 
Well, I think I like a wide variety of different music. Uh, some of the top things I listen to are Jean Grey, Fiona Apple, Betty Harris, David Bowie, The Smiths, Annette Hanshaw, Louis Armstrong, Joe Tex, Allison Chains. I mean, the list goes on and on. Okay. I see you, uh, I, Louis Armstrong. I see you like, uh, like jazz music. Do you ever listen to, uh, an esoteric subgenre of jazz called uh, Satan jazz. Uh, John, I think you mean death jazz. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Death jazz. Absolutely, my mistake. Death jazz. Pretty wide ranging. Um, I've never. No, but you have a pretty wide ranging musical uh, uh, taste. I would say. I like to think so. Yeah. Yeah. So how come you can't dig uh, Merciful Fate? I. Uh... I don't know, you know, like what, what is it that makes you like something and not like something? I, I try, I listen. Logic, of course, logic. <laughs> let's go, let's go to our, to our, uh, to our guest, uh, expert witness, Mr. John Darnell. John, yes. do you like, do you dig Merciful Fate? So Merciful Fate is a top five band for me. That Whoa. album, uh, I don't, uh, I don't generally tell people about my tattoos, but, uh, <laughs> Let, let it be said that uh, when, uh, when the autopsy is committed on my body, people will know how much I liked Merciful Fate. So, uh, but the thing is about Merciful Fate, well, indeed, their guitarists uh, do owe a good debt specifically to the classical era. But King Diamond's voice is make or break. The first time you hear it, you know whether or not you're going to be able to deal with it or not. It's this piercing falsetto uh, with no variation. Like most falsettos go here and there and sort of hang in the air, but his just really cuts glass. It's really something else. Uh, so uh, well, so, so I don't think that I gave this track enough of a enough of a chance because I don't even no, think we got to the, the vocal section. Riff, right? To me, that riff is unstoppable. I can't understand personally. I, I I can get with you hear that riff. Why wouldn't anybody love that riff? But the <laughs> second he starts singing, it's a whole different ballgame. All right, let's it's let's 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 dip back into it, and, and we'll get to the vocal. All right. I can sure yodel, that's for sure. Now, if you don't like that version of the song, his uh-huh. first band, The Brats, uh, King Diamond is actually from South Africa, and his first band, The Brats, had a version of that song that was called Death Kiss that was a little different. It had less falsetto. Suddenly his dumb heavy metal name, King Diamond, takes yeah. on a huge sociopolitical <laughs> context now that I know that he's from South Africa. I had not even made that connection. Now, is he, is, he, is, is he an African or is he, uh, or is he a, a European South African? Well, he's, he's Danish as far as I know. Oh, okay. he's a, a, oh really? Is he, from, is he from the Norwegian? <laughs> is, he, is he from the Scandinavian countries, really? And he's a, and he's a metal singer, huh? Interesting. Yeah, imagine that. 
All right, you were saying though. So King Diamond, in his original band, the Brats, had he a sang it. That song called "Death Kiss," that where the rock and roll aspect was a lot more. It's it's one of my favorite stories because I think he really liked the riff and he really liked the song. So the song is about five or six years old by the time he gets it to his second band, mm-hmm. and he's still just sort of living with this song that he really seems committed to having. Not on his first album with his new band, but on his second one, he finally gets a version that he likes. And now this is not black metal? Uh, no, that's proto-black metal. That's really speed metal, which is not... The parameters of speed metal are pretty ill-defined, but... but let me, let me guess, all, does speed have something to do with it? A little, but as you can hear, I mean, that's kind of a mid-tempo song. Sure. But, but the, the leads are pretty fast. But King Diamond wore a lot of face makeup after the style of Kiss and was very theatrical. It still does, uh... And uh, and a lot of the black metal bands were big Merciful Fate fans, but their music does not sound a lot like Merciful Fate. Okay, so this is this is in the history lesson that we are now getting. Uh, this is uh, the the band that made uh, Satan's Beatles possible. Exactly, okay. bands like Immortal, all the corpse paint stuff that you get coming out. Oh of yeah, all the corpse were... paint stuff. Sure, I'm sorry. I <laughs> of course, of course. All that stuff was was very inspired by by Merciful Fate. All right. So, Will, how do you feel about John Darnielle's interpretation? Uh, of the music so far? Uh, very lucid, I think. Um, I have a trivia fact for you, though. All right. Uh, Caroline I'll, never I'll made allow it. it. To, <laughs> Caroline never made it to the vocals with that song. She was already frowning. Wait a minute. And, I think maybe your definition of trivia is different from mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to give me some weird little-known fact about, you know, what, you know what, where King Diamond has his own merciful fate tattoo. But, in fact, you're giving me trivia about your girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. My dad is mean. <laughs> <laughs> What's it got in its pockets? Is? <laughs> okay. Let's, uh, all right. The subject is Caroline or change. And the question is, what point of the music did Caroline get to before she turned this off? Answer? Um, about probably 10 seconds. The 10 second yeah. mark. Objection. Objection. I'll allow it. Go ahead. I, I might not have... Turned it. I doubt I turned it off, but I probably made a frowny face. Is that true, Will? Was it was a frowny face? Was a frowny face deployed? Yeah, I would say oh. a, a general bristling was uh, <laughs> visible in Caroline's demeanor about ten seconds into the song, way before really even the vocals <laughs> appeared. Now, Caroline, now that now that I have I have forced you and indeed myself yeah. to listen to a, a full one minute twenty. Uh, of this of this song, which I see, I see here is five minute and twelve seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now you've listened to a full one minute twenty. Uh, is your mind and you've heard some discourse from uh, our, uh, our our cloaked and berobed mysterious expert witness? Mm-hmm. Do you do you have any different feelings? Could you give this another try? Of course, I would. I believe in up to three tries for uh, individual songs. That sounds very fair, but is that what you put in practice in your life, Will? Does she put that into practice three tries? I think that's true with music. (laughs) Oh, true of music in in general. (laughs) Okay, so Caroline, here we go. You listen to 10 seconds of it once. You listen to (laughs) 1 minute 20 of it now. Here comes uh, strike three. (laughs)
Okay, that's it. Yes or no? Yes. Yes. <laughs> you like that song? It's you know, it's not bad. The stuff that really I can't is hard for me to listen to is the stuff where and I and the guys that listen to the black metal will know what I'm talking about. It's like they're being choked to death, but they're like still singing. Okay, it's, so what is the evidence what else what other evidence have you provided here? Well, I uh, will actually decline to give me the evidence I was requesting, so I was forced to look up something that sounded similar to me. So I sent you something that basically sounds like this stuff. Okay, but I want to focus on the, the evidence. And I, You sent a, a joke video, right? A parody? Well, it's, it, you, could, you could say it's a joke, but really to me it sounds about the same. Okay, well, I understand that it um, speaks to your psychological condition. <laughs> To, to be an interpretation of what you're hearing when he attempts to play you these things. But I'm going to go to, uh, to original documents here. Uh, Will, you, you, you sent, I'm sorry, I overrule your, your evidence. Will, you sent in two other tracks. One uh, by uh, Jesus Todd. Is that right? No, that's by Burzum. Burzum. Oh, Jesus Todd is the name of the... The song is called Jesus Toad, yeah. Jesus Toad. Thank Oh. Uh, Will, you sound a lot like John Darnielle all of a sudden. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I got all the pieces of evidence. Yeah, no, I think... I got five. Yeah, if I were you, Will, I would just I would just keep quiet from here on out because... He's your advocate at this point. Yeah, I know. Not, 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 only, not only is he incredibly learned in the science of metal of all kinds, but let's face it, he's the only other guy here who's got a functioning Skype connection. So, John... John uh, uh, Burzum... Is uh, the name of the song is Jesus Toad, but Toad right. is spelled incorrectly because because it's, <laughs> it's metal. And uh, and then we listen to Merciful Fate. Then there's uh, Sweet Silence. Is that the song? Is that the band or the song? Oh, that's Gorguts. That's that's the the song is uh, Sweet Silence. Oh, that's Gorguts. Oh, oh, that's Gorguts. Oh, the song is called Sweet Silence. And then we have an unfortunate name. I will be the first to. Oh, really? Is it more unfortunate than disembowelment? Yeah. <laughs> the thing I like about dis- so this disembowelment is the song or the band? That's the band. It's the band. Right. Is the way they capitalize their name here their choice or your typographical error? Is it is it small d small i capital S E M B O W E L M E N T? Yeah, that's their thing. That's I don't, their I don't thing. Know what that's all about? All right, because you can see how this makes me feel like they're teenagers, right? Oh well, yeah. The, there's a there's a reasonable explanation for this. Okay. These guys, Disembowelment and Gorguts, are two prime examples of bands that formed when the members were young and just focused on making noise and developed into pretty artistically accomplished entities later in their career, but were forced to retain their name for contractual reasons. That's explicitly the case with Disembowelment, but I think I think it's similar to what happens to a lot of metal bands where they establish themselves cranking out some kind of noise and then eventually start making things that are pretty artistic and they keep their old name. So you were saying uh you were saying before your Skype uh turned your your words into uh weird Cylon noises. Uh they are they were required to keep the name out of contractual agreement, right? Yeah, they okay. start out just purveying basic toys and then develop into something great later on. Is there a genre called Skype metal, John Darnielle? <laughs> is there Skype metal? 
Uh, Skype metal, where it's like we're, we're presently we are fleshing out. This is actually a proto Skype metal conversation. That yeah, will eventually become a genre that will be spoken of in hushed tones where, for centuries. Right, right. And just, well, yeah, it's, the hushed tones are actually where the Skype drops out. Actually, <laughs> so disembowelment. The name of this song, and, and would this be a black metal band? Would you say or no? No. Okay. Is Gorguts a black metal band? No. Is Burzum a black metal band? Yeah. Okay, so let's listen to the the black. Will is on his own with Burzum. I don't care for them. Yes. All right, now we're on to something. Here we go. This one I have not listened to. Brand new, ladies and gentlemen. the uh, the 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 band is called Burzum. The song is Jesus Toad. (laughs) This is Judge John Hodgman guest DJing at WRSI The River. Let's give it a spin. Sounds the same, right? I want to get to one of these these great uh, these great trance ambient music sections where suddenly you're in the you're in the like an airport hallway. Is that how you describe it? <laughs> That was Jesus Toad by Burzum here on the river, 93.9 Northampton. We're talking here with Will, who likes this music. Will, what is the deal with this? Uh, well, uh, that track, it's got an... It's funny you should mention the ambient thing, because it's its the closest to ambient music of any of the tracks I sent you. With that um, repetitive, very hazy kind of guitar mm-hmm. stuff going on there, It I find it has kind of an ambient effect. It's sort of like a a hypnotic kind of uh, wash of this, these riffs over and over again. There's lots of guitar tracks in there and it has a very, uh, very ambient sound to me. It's like Mm -hmm. white noise, except black noise. Yeah. And, and the black, the black, the black as an adjective here indicates, is there a satanic component to this? Is it just dark? As you may guess from the title, Jesus toad. Well, I can't guess from the title because they spelled Toad wrong. <laughs> so I don't know what that means. That could be they're a Norwegian band. That could mean... Jesus towed his foot into the waters and walked upon them. Thank you very much, Monty Belmonte. Yes. Can I, 
add Monty Belmonte, of course, is a, a big fan of uh, Christian metal. Isn't that right? I am. Striper. Yeah. Petra. Yeah. Monty, you used to like uh, uh, heavy metal music, correct? Yes. Okay. So did you like that song or what? Not really. No, I, I liked the early thrash of Metallica and then a couple of the other more, I don't know, melodic metal bands that had some sort of song structure, which eventually led me down to more traditional rock and roll music. It was a phase that I feel like many people eventually grow out of, but maybe Will hasn't yet. And that's okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, That's my early summary judgment as a bailiff. I'm an aspiring judge. (laughs) Thank you very much, DJ named Dr. Patronize. Uh, Will, what is is your age, please? 25. Yeah, do you feel that this is a phase in your life or something that you will love forever? Um, I probably will like it forever. It's not the only kind of music I listen to. It's just one kind of music that I, I, I admit that probably about 50% of my collection is metal, but the other 50% is all kinds of stuff. And I listen to that stuff about two thirds of the time. And what, and what would that stuff be like Skype metal? Um, ev- Elton, Elton, Elton John, El- Elton John metal, death jazz, death jazz, <laughs> deep Alan Parsons project metal. Ambient Dan Fogelberg. <laughs> Mountain Goats. Alchemist Parsons. Yeah. Metal what meets is, Alan Parsons. What are some of the non-metal bands that you dig? Well, right now on my desk, let's see, there's there's uh, this Sublime Frequencies reissue of, of this Omar Khorshid guy. He's like an Egyptian surf guitarist. Then there's a Dark Throne album. And then there's uh, Voices from the Lake, which is this Italian um, minimal techno release so that's three right there i'm just looking around my room captain beefheart have you ever, oh okay i was just about to ask have you ever heard of music that anyone else has ever heard of <laughs> uh yeah there's a little of that in here okay I, but you but you like to you like to to to, to plumb the the depths oh yeah to, to go yeah, out I'm, to the margins and see what is out there yeah I pr- i'm pretty universal with what i'm willing to listen to and give a shot to you ever uh you ever host a college radio station What's that? You ever host a, a radio show on your college radio station I did, or whatever? Yeah. yeah. What was it called? It didn't have a name, but it was in the middle of the night and it had a lot of metal. Was it called uh, the, the, the Caroline Trivia Hour? <laughs> Songs She Hates? John Darneal, why don't you like that Burzum? What? Like, uh, because like to an untrained ear, I'm not, I'm not catching huge differences. I think Burzum, I think people take a very strong interest in Burzum because their lead singer is a murderer. He served time in. Yeah. Uh, in prison. He's a very, very controversial figure. But if you listen to that song through and then you go listen to an Irish band called Primordial, they're doing the same thing like a trillion times better. And and are they murdering anyone? No, that's oh, the thing. Interesting. Primordial's nice guys. So yeah. they won't get any shine because Varg is popular because he has a backstory. It's sort of, you know, it's like, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's a crowded field in music. So if you killed somebody, it really does give you the edge. Caroline, I hear you. I hear you, you uh, trying to crank up your Skype connection to jump in here. <laughs> I, even I, you, I even you are aware that Burzum is uh, uh, fronted by a murderer. Very much so. Part of Will's tactic in trying to get me to appreciate the music more is by telling me background about the band, and he tends to like uh, a lot of music where the leader was perhaps a killer or has ideas about killing people, and I think that's part of the appeal. A little Will trivia. <laughs> so what would Will Will what? likes bands led by uh, murderers and deviants <laughs> and creeps? Is this another super secret subgenre of metal? The uh, lead singer is a murderer. Murder metal. Murder metal. Murder metal. I'm sure there is right snuff metal. 
There's another one up in the Norwegian scene where the guy killed somebody, but I can't think of who it is. But I, but I do think like Varg, force of his personality, uh, leads these people to regard his music more highly than it actually merits. What were the What were the circumstances? Not that it matters, but just out of curiosity, what were the circumstances of this murder? It's my understanding that that it was actually over money. Although the 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 story that circulates is that that it had to do with fealty to the truths of black metal or the scene. But it's my understanding that. Somebody owed somebody money, and, and he went over to the guy's house and killed him. So. And was it solved by a debonair mustachioed detective named Judge John Hodgman? Yes, sir, it was. As you must remember the case. I know you do a lot of cases. Now, I do I do a lot of cases, but I, al- but I also uh, uh, smoke a lot of cocaine drugs. And that's sort of the, the twofold as a – I don't actually smoke a lot of cocaine drugs, but as an eccentric detective, you know, I do have my habits. So I sure. – I do have I do I have solved a lot of cases, but I've I've also uh, bathed in a lot of absinthe. That's my eccentricity. I'm picturing you like fixing morphine between cases. <laughs> uh, so he but he murdered some other black metal dude, a he, grown yeah, up he, at least. Who did he kill again? Um, he Euronymous. killed a guitar player from Mayhem. Yeah, yeah, he killed he killed a guitarist from a rival band, but I think it was actually over money. Uh, and he did I think fifteen or twenty years, and now he's out. Uh, he uh, he recorded two uh, two or three albums of actual ambient music while he was in prison because in Norway you're allowed to have recording stuff when you're in, yeah. in prison. Yeah, in Nor- because in Norway you're only allowed to record <laughs> ambient metal when you're in That's prison. Correct. You can't have a drum kit. They yeah. draw the line. Yeah, the right. drum kit. Exactly so, because that might be formed into a weapon. <laughs> Will this touches a sore point for me? Because, you know, I don't know. I don't know that you want to be the guy who's trying to get his girlfriend into music by saying, uh, hey, you should listen to this song. The dude in, who, who plays the bass in this band uh, used to kill a lot of kittens growing up. Do you think um, that's going to work? That's that's yeah, that's pretty reprehensible that. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't I take See, I take I take offense on it. I take a, I object on it from two fronts. One is that when I was growing up in zine culture, uh, there are a lot of great zines, including the early Boing Boing, that introduced me to all kinds of subcultures that I didn't know about. And then there was a whole extra genre of zine culture, which was just uh, zines about Charles Manson. Yes. And how hilarious it was that Charles Manson was such a crazy dude. And I took real offense at that because I'm like, that is not funny, hipster zine maker. That's yeah, just I take creepy. An objection to uh, <laughs> the comment that I try to sell music to her based on the uh – What's Back the opposite story? of merits? Demerits, Demerits. of its creators. Um, I don't recall scan- ever. So you take that. objection to my objection. <laughs> oh, this has not ever happened in the courtroom before. Well, your objection was based on her objection. But so. this is a loaded. I mean, this is a, a you know. You gave me four uh, tracks to listen to. One of them is fronted by a murderer. But does that bear on – well, that, this is – you could have your – You made the choice to make this a representative of the kind of music that you would like Caroline to listen to. And I'm not saying Musically, it's, it's representative. Musically, it's representative. You dig the music. Yeah. You dig the music. I'm not saying yeah, – Yeah, I dig the music. I'm not so hot on the, the murder. Yeah, I'm not saying – I'm not saying – you know, to me, it's sort of like I don't like – I don't like culture that um, takes on a, a – uh, some sort of like camp, dark camp mystique because someone involved in it did something reprehensible. I think that's kind of lame, right? Oh, or in the case of Varg also holds a lot of reprehensible beliefs. I think he gets a lot of that yeah. 
here's an evil dude, so he has a sort of a radiant dark power, which mm-hmm. I get that because I, you know, I think every I w- I'm an ex goth. I got a lot of goth skeletons in my closet. Yeah. And I used to like a lot of guys because they they actual skeletons, dudes, you know, but but uh, uh, actual yes, exactly. Uh, yes, I did. Uh, but uh, but this was before goth makeup made a whole lot of makeup. We were much classier about it. Our descendants really ruined the whole thing. If you're trying to get your girlfriend into it, why are you leading with the murder band? Oh, I don't lead. I don't, I don't really lead with the why. I don't really lead with the murder trivia. I guess that band. I do like the, that band's music a lot, and um, but it's unrelated to the extracurricular activities of the guy. And I, <laughs> I, uh, I didn't try to use that as a selling point, and I don't try to use that stuff like that as selling points. The last band that I'm going to talk about here. I just want to go back to dis. It's it's disembowelment. The name of the song is this. The name of the song "Cerulean Transients of All My Imagined Shores." That is correct. That's the name of the song. Now, are you playing, or is that, or is that, or is that something that a fourteen-year-old wrote on the back of his trapper keeper during math class? (laughs) Are you playing in the order album to convince himself that he was a poet? Version from the Pentalgia compilation. I'm not playing any of it right now. I'm just making fun of the name of the song. Here it is. This is off the 1993 epic LP Transcendence into the Peripheral. It's Disembowelment, the Big Words Band. We know a lot of words and a lot of vocabulary. <laughs> Well, what what happened? What happened? I took a little nap right then. Uh, what do you think about that song, uh, Caroline? Um, you know, it's it's all right. Uh, at least it doesn't have the like choking, um, singing type of thing. Will, what do you think? It does later in the song, but okay. why is that? Why is that such a sticking point? I wonder that particular thing. You know, I can't. I can't. Hey, like, what is it about? It, there's just something so jarring and unpleasant about it. And I, I, I think I like other metal, but you, you claim it's not real metal, so I, I'm not sure. What, do you, what, uh, what, what would be your uh, imitation of the voice styling that you hate the most, Caroline? Um, it would be something along the lines of. <laughs> it'd be like it'd be like that. Will, one last question before I uh, make my judgment. Why is it important to you that Caroline like this music? 
And she likes you, right? She likes your crazy, you like the crazy uh, Egyptian surf rock dude? Is that good music? I, I love it. I love his other music. That's part of what I love about Will. I think he's great. And we have a lot of music in common. So, Will, why, what, how does it make you feel when Caroline rejects this music? Um, I just basically, I dislike how quickly she rejects it. And, um, yeah, I just, just don't feel like she's given it a fair shake. And I, especially because it's, I like it a lot personally, and I've been listening to it for a long time. And, um, yeah, it's just such a major, uh, interest of mine that it's just sort of like, I wish she could understand what the appeal of it or, um, we could kind of enjoy it together. Sure. When you're, you know, when you're chopping up vegetables for a stir fry before pouring a little white wine and watching a little movie, you can play it on the kitchen stereo, that sort of thing. Yeah. Something along those lines. Poor Will. (laughs) Will is so furious at me. He's going to go to Norway and kill a guy. All right. I'm going to go into my chambers and I'll make my decision right away. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Now, Will, are you willing to go pop metal at all on this Metallica the Black Album, something that's a little more melodic but still maintains some of the chops? Well, um, something like Iron Maiden, I guess, which mm-hmm. that's another no-go. Um, oh, no, I, I do like some Iron Maiden. But it's a no-go for you, Will? No, for her that was a no-go. Oh. Now, Caroline, you said that you like both Sabbath and Alice in Chains. Are I you do, willing yeah. to meet him at, like, Trans-Siberian Orchestra level somewhere? Uh, I don't know what that is, but I, I know that I... <laughs> They're sort of a like, pseudo-classical, pseudo-metal Christmas album band. I, <laughs> I mean, I would give it a shot. <laughs> now, John Darnielo of the Mountain Goats, do you have any questions of either Will or Caroline? Because you seem to be a, a, an expert on this. I want to say, if I can presume to just offer some life experience, I am a fanatic about heavy metal. Of the five tracks submitted to me, I love four of them. Gorguts, that Obscura album, who can argue with Obscura? It's so good. Merciful Fate, one of my favorite bands of all time. I've been married since 1998 to a person who does not particularly care about any of this sort of music, but that's really fine with me because I think when when your tastes run toward niche stuff, for me anyway, then you sort of have to understand that not everybody's gonna have the same sort of itch inside that, 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 that reaches out to those sorts of things. Having said that, I feel the disembowelment, that album is one of the great albums of all time. I don't see how anybody wouldn't love the disembowelment record. Thank you, John Darnielle of the Mountain Goats. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, did I interrupt the John Darnielle marriage counseling hour? <laughs> yes. the, the new podcast? Do you still listen to that music on a regular basis, John Darnielle? Constantly, yeah. Well, I'm sorry to have intruded upon the John Darniel Marriage Counseling Hour <laughs> and Monty Belmonte and John Darniel Transcendental Orchestra Trivia podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you're all having a very good time. I, uh, you know, there is a longstanding precedent uh, on this uh, in this courtroom that you can't force people to like the things that you like because liking is a weird alchemic. Uh, experience by which certain things re- uh, really reflect off your soul and in other people it just repels off their soul. And so lots of times couples married or otherwise will come to me and insist that the other person should like a thing. And I say, cool it, dudes. And I think that, John, you kind of you kind of echoed that same sentiment as a person who's been married for some time. That's been your experience as well. Mm-hmm. That's correct. And so obviously I'm... 
I, I, insofar as the court can be biased, I am biased to precedent, which is to say, dude, Will, don't force things on your girlfriend if you would like to continue to have a girlfriend. <laughs> However, something happened to me. I experienced something kind of unusual, something sort of like the cerulean transience of all my imagined shores, something I can only describe in my ninth grade dream journal as merciful fate. And I received that merciful fate and I liked it. I liked that song, dudes. I really, and you know what, Caroline, I was with you 10 seconds into that. I'm like, dumb. 20 seconds into that. I'm like, still dumb. (laughs) 30 seconds into that. I'm like, this sounds like the credit sequence to a 1980s street fighter movie. (laughs) 35 seconds into it. I'm like, my God, I am 35 seconds into this. No, 35 seconds into this. I'm like, hail Cthulhu. I am 35 seconds into this. When am I going to hear some vocals? 40 seconds. I would have turned it right off. But then I had these two dudes behind the movie theater pushing this music on me and made me listen to a full minute 20. And I started to get into it. And then I heard a little bit about King Diamond and what a weirdo this guy is, this uh, Danish South African. There is clear musicianship behind this music. It is clearly not easy music to play. Uh, and it is clearly uh, thought out and with a purpose. And when I gave it enough time, I kind of felt my head mini banging. I'll say that. <laughs> I witnessed this. Yeah, I was, I was, I was getting along to it. I kind of wanted to be driving in a car for reasons other than the terrible sound quality of this podcast. <laughs> and when Will told me that you had had a similar experience and had if not turn the song off, then made a frowny face at second 10 or 20 or so. I sympathize with you, but I suddenly appreciated, yeah, you got to give this music some time to seep in, especially if it is wordless, weird, hypnotic, ambient metal that doesn't actually get going for about 17 minutes into the track. So against all precedent, I am going to find in favor of the defendant, Will, the metalhead, with this specific instruction. Caroline? Yeah. This music is obviously important to Will. He will not stop talking about it or trying to get you to listen to it. And you have already stipulated a willingness to a three strikes rule with some of this music. Once per month, sir, you may nominate a metal song that you feel that Caroline A. should be familiar with and B might like and C does not rely on murder to sell it. And you reasonably can expect Caroline to listen to three minutes of it, the length of a normal song three times before passing what I call final judgment. But you can only do this once per month because if you do beyond that, you're getting into, uh, into jerk territory. Caroline, I'm doing this to you in order to help you understand what your boyfriend is all about. Will, I'm doing this to you to protect yourself from yourself, from pushing too much of your beloved black metal too quickly, such that what seems like a nice relationship might end prematurely. And then after three times, seriously, dude, that's enough. She's heard it. 
that goes out of the rotation. Put it in your headphones. This is the sound of a gavel. Judge John Hodgman rules. Hail Satan. That is all. Will, with this landmark ruling of Judge John Hodgman's ruling in favor of somebody forcibly making somebody try to like something else, in this case metal, is there an early contender for what you think will be that first go-to metal song that you will try to pass by Caroline? Uh, it's probably going to be another one from that Merciful Fate album. It's, it's, it's a good album. With your lawyer... John Darnielo of the Mountain Goats, strongly advocating for it via tattoo even. I think you have a good chance with that one. John Darnielo, any follow-up you need to have with Will and Caroline before, before they leave? I mean, the only thing I would say is, like, uh, uh, be, uh, Caroline, you should be, be uh, really, um, what's the word I want to say, uh, be mindful that he stays in his present tastes because my recent leanings have been towards stuff that causes my wife to, to make visible faces of distaste. I, I speak, of course, of progressive metal. Uh, Arch Matheos, Fate's Warning, Jeff Loomis's two solo albums of instrumental guitar metal, and and this stuff will make you yearn for the days of disembodied. Oh no! <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, thank you, John Darnielo of the Mountain Goats. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. And thank yeah, you, Will thanks. and Caroline. Well, let's clear the docket. Would you? Oh, let me hear the spiel. Yeah. Well, the spiel is that that genre really only exists in order to to, to breed uh, enthusiasm among among consumers, right? But in point of fact, for musicians, music is just a broad spectrum of sound, and, and genre is only a way of describing it. It's not, you know, you don't like or not like a genre. You you like or don't like a piece of music, you know. Uh, and it's kind of uh, like with Merciful Fate. It's not that you don't like heavy metal. It's that the timbre of his voice might not appeal to you, but the the notes are are the same. They're just expressed in a certain texture, you know. So. So, uh, so I don't think of, of, of genre as really being a thing except for a useful shorthand for describing what's going on in music. Dudes, dudes, uh, excuse me. Why don't you guys get your own podcast already? It's like you're obviously in podcast love with each other. And meanwhile, I'm in chambers here. I got to clear the docket. You're going on this whole philosophical debate about genre. And I got a guy who wants to know whether a wallet is a pocketbook. Nathan writes... I feel that the item a man uses to carry his money and credit cards, etc., should be called a wallet. The female equivalent is called a pocketbook. Finally, we're getting down to this. This is the important stuff, everybody. My wife disagrees. She thinks they all should be called wallets and that the actual purse can be called a pocketbook, which makes no sense to me whatsoever. We ask for your help in settling this. John Darnielle, what do you think? Uh, I have a strong opinion on this that I suspect you and I will be at odds about for years to come. Let's go. They are all- they are all purses. What? They are all purses. And I think they're all pocketbooks, or as my Bostonian family would say, pocketbooks. Pocketbooks? Wait a minute. Are you saying that words have no meaning, John Darnielle? No, I am saying... Like, not only are there no genres, there are also no definitions of words? That's correct. There's just one giant sound. No, uh... Uh... No, <laughs> Was that disembowelment? That's now the, you are talking. I can relate to everything you just said. That's the uh, er sound of existence. No, I think purse is just a superior word in all forms. And I think you start getting these, uh, you know, uh, when when Shakespeare said, who steals my purse steals me, right? This, sure. This whole, 
soliloquy, right? Well, he's probably talking about a pocketbook or a wallet. These are all various ways of describing your purse, which is the thing that you use to carry around your money. And, and yeah, well, your they effects, called it a purse right? because they didn't have a wallet at that time. I think they did have wallets. I, just, I don't think they had a word for it. I think I think their, the purse right. was a thing you just carried in your pocket. The, wa- the wallet as a, as a word really came into its own in the 19th century, where at that time, you could carry your money on your belt like you would a purse, like a man carrying a coin purse on his belt in the in the 16th century would do. It would also you could you could carry dried meat. <laughs> it was also it was also a beef jerky purse. Mm, right. I need one of those. But by the 20th century, wallet has a very distinct meaning, right? Which is oh, a true. a billfold with with slots for cards, maybe a coin purse within it, and no. Strap and it can be put into something else. That to me. I want to say that my purse position, by the way, is a hundred percent an affectation that I came up with a second before I announced oh, it. Oh, of course. <laughs> In point of fact, I think you I, know, here's what I'd say. But here's where we agree, which is that gender has no has no role in these definitions whatsoever. None, if I a agree. woman if a woman has a thing that she puts credit cards in cash and it can fold up and you put it inside something else and it doesn't have an independent strap mechanism, that's a wallet. Just because it is touched by an unclean womanly hand does not turn it into a pocketbook, which is, by I think all common sense definition, something that contains multitudes and has a strap on it, right? And purse, similarly, you could call a wallet a purse. Uh, I I will grant you that in a sort of in a a big vehicle sort of way. But uh, but men used to carry purses all the time and uh, women carry purses. Of course, a purse is a small thing that you carry your treasures and your... uh, and your uh, Slim Jims in. With a strap or without a strap? Because I think there's a little bit of a debate between if it has uh, a strap, is it a purse or is it a pocketbook? That's a handbag. It's a pocketbook. No, a pocketbook is smaller than a handbag or purse, I think. Well, these are not, like the not, Russian dolls of little bags for women. <laughs> You've been listening to the Monty Belmonte John Darnell Agree to Disagree podcast. <laughs> While meanwhile, the last gasp of the Judge John Hodgman podcast comes in with the final word. Wallet is genderless. That is all. John Darnell, what's going on in your life? Do you have something you want to talk about on the podcast? You got a record uh, coming out? I do have a record coming out. I always feel really uh, weird about uh, pitching stuff at the then end. Then you of shut stuff. up. Yes, it's called Transcendental it Youth. It's fantastic. Thank you very much. Everyone should. I'm excited for it to come out because when you sit on an album, you record it, and then you have to wait six months or so for all the everything to get lined up. And, uh, and I've been wanting people to hear it for a long time. So right. I'm really excited for people to finally hear it. And, uh, and I'm touring a lot and uh, getting ready for. Uh, for the baby's first Christmas as a conscious entity. He was around last Christmas, but he really was sort of just drifty in the way of early babies. Aww, so I'm really excited for that. So you see, Transcendental Youth is the name of the album. Yes. Right? See, that's that's how you do it, everybody. That's how you name an album. <laughs> you don't have to push it with 19 big words like cerulean transcendence of the peripheral alchemical uh, uh, moods or you whatever. You don't need to murder a rival band, man. Yeah, just call it tra- no. just call it something good like Transcendental Youth. You are kind. You, I should. I should confess that the working title was Infernal Youth, and then I got to thinking about things and changed it to Transcendental. Mm, interesting. Was the black metal creeping in? No, it was just that I didn't think Infernal was what I meant when I when I stopped and thought about it. Because as a as a would be intellectual, I think it's my job to, to overthink what I'm doing. Well done. Thank and you very much. <laughs> Object lesson received. Uh, Monty Belmonte. You're, well, you're, you're still kicking it on WRSI. Still the kicking it every, every morning, very early, 93.9, playing um, an eclectic mix of music, but perhaps not as eclectic as the music we talked about today. And, a little uh, bit more in the uh, pop rock vein. 
That, and we're broadcasting live from their studios. From right from now. our studios right live now. Live on podcast. Yes. And if, if he's going to buzz market his child's first Christmas, I should buzz market my children's first movie, the really great Cinderella movie, which you can watch on YouTube, narrated by none other than Judge John Hodgman himself. All right. You know what, guys? I'm I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on the formerly known as Judge John Hodgman podcast. Hail Satan! The Judge John Hodgman Podcast is a production of MaximumFun.org. Our special thanks to all of the folks who donate to support the show and all of our shows at MaximumFun.org slash donate. The show is produced by Julia Smith and me, Jesse Thorne, and edited by Mark McConville. You can check out his podcast, Super Ego, in iTunes or online at GoSuperEgo.com. You can find John Hodgman online at AreasOfMyExpertise.com. If you have a case for Judge John Hodgman, go to MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. If you have thoughts about the show, join the conversation on our forum at forum.maximumfun.org and our Facebook group at facebook.com slash Judge John Hodgman. We'll see you online and next time right here on the Judge John Hodgman podcast.